When you have a sports or fitness-related injury, trust the expertise of the HSA Sports and Exercise Medicine Clinic to get you back in the game. Our internationally trained and certified physicians specialize in sports traumatology, sports medicine, pain management, and orthopedic surgery. For treatment of common injuries such as tendonitis, arthritis, tennis elbow, rotator cuff, or knee tears, schedule a consultation with the Sports and Exercise Medicine Clinic at Smith Road Medical Center by calling 949-8600 or visit hsa.ky for more information. Health Services Authority is now offering online payment options for patients. Patients of HSA can now pay their bills, including deposits, towards scheduled services online at payments.hsa.ky. The secure, new online payment system accepts debit or credit cards and is in addition to the available payment options of cash, check, and online bank transfer. For quick, easy, and secure payment directly from your phone or computer, visit HSA's new online payment system at payments.hsa.ky. Cayman Islands Health Services Authority's General Practice and Public Health Clinics have relocated to Smith Road Medical Center. At the new location, you'll receive top quality care in a comfortable, modern space enhancing your patient experience. Do you have flu-like symptoms or other non-emergent illnesses or injury? HSA's new urgent care walk-in clinic is now open at the main hospital campus. The new general practice location is for appointments only. For more information, call 949-8600 or visit hsa.ky. The Health Services Authority's new pharmacy is now open at the Smith Road Medical Center. The new location features a large, comfortable waiting area and ticketing system to improve the patient experience. All uncollected prescriptions and refill requests previously submitted will now be available for collection at the Smith Road Pharmacy. Request your refills online at hsa.ky via WhatsApp 925-6534 or call 244-2715. For more information about our pharmacy hours, visit hsa.ky. HSA's cardiology clinic is now located at Smith Road Medical Center. Our cardiology team provides expert care and treatment for heart conditions such as coronary artery disease, heart failure, arrhythmias, hypertension, congenital heart diseases, among others. The new location offers state-of-the-art cardiac diagnostic testing, including echocardiograms, ECGs, and stress tests. To contact, call 949-8600. At HSA, your heart matters to us. At the Health Services Authority, we want to keep you informed about the latest developments that impact your health because your health matters to us. Join us each Friday and Saturday from 1 to 2 p.m. as we cover health news, offer advice, and answer your questions on Healthcare Today with HSA. Welcome to another episode of Healthcare Today with the HSA. As you know, uh, each Friday and Saturday, we get together and talk about your well-being and things that matter to you in our community as it deals with health and health-related matters. Uh, today we have, um, I want to call it a modern spin on a topic that's been ranging for a long, long time. And uh, I'd like my guests to introduce themselves, and then we'll talk about the topic itself. All right, this is Simon Miller from the National Drug Council. I'm the prevention specialist. Hi, I'm Layla Shem from the National Drug Council, and I'm the research analyst. Dr. Stennett Davis, psychiatrist with Health Services Authority. So that just means that we're going to be talking about drug usage, alcohol usage in the Cayman Islands from all aspects of it. So um, with that being said, um, let's um, kind of step back and talk about this survey that was taken this year, uh, the 2022 survey. Um, a lot of implications, but can you bring a little bit of clarity to it as far as uh, the drug usage survey. It, the official title is, is what for it? The Cayman Islands Student Drug Use Survey. Okay, the Cayman Islands Student Drug Use Survey. Um, I think this is the first time I've heard of it in several years being put to the level of students. Now, and I've heard of, you know, the, they've had it as a very 
broad look at drug usage within the Cayman Islands. But now we're kind of starting to look at the core of it from a younger perspective. Give me the insight into that a bit. Yeah, so the, the we call it the CISTIS for short. Um, it's a public health survey that we've been conducting for over 20 years now. The very first one was done in 1998. Uh, and essentially, we survey young people between the ages of 11 to 18 to track and monitor the trends um, and prevalence of teen substance use over time. Wow, that's um, quite a bit of information that you had. And, and now, it's is it becoming public consultation? How, how does this work? Uh, well, with the CISTIS, we've throughout the years engaged with a number of different stakeholders in the development of the content of the survey. Uh, and this year, the 2022 survey, or sorry, last year, the 2022 survey was actually the first time that we offered the survey in a modular fashion. Uh, and so we looked at things like consumption patterns, mental health, uh, risk behaviors, um, antisocial behaviors, bullying, and um, yeah, so we, we've collected the data, as I mentioned, for so many years now that we found it to be much more useful to condense the questions um, of the survey and to really target our look into the, the consumption patterns. And, and w when we were talking about it, this was a very, and, and I use the word modern because we started using an online format. So, so mm -hmm. in, in the past, in uh, the, the doctor can kind of help me with this idea. When people go to take a survey, they're looking, say, oh, you're going to see my notes, you're going to see my information, you're going to equivocate my answers to me mm. versus a kind of generic, across-the-board, click-type one time, and be it not, not um, I guess, uh, more anonymous, would I be correct yeah, to say anonymous. that, Doc? Yeah. So, so the answers are a little bit more truthful. Yeah, so, so that's the aim that persons can provide accurate response. If research is being done, it's to get information so that some program can be devised to address the problem. It's not to find out individually who is doing what. It's not a trick to get your information. It's to get a broader sense of who are the persons in the community using the substances, what is the scale of use, and so we can now look at how do we address the use itself and help persons who are using substances. And um, the information that you uh, found there, uh, was there any, um, I want to say, identifying markers to what you thought you would have found? Well, we did see that uh, the top three substances of use continue to be alcohol, marijuana, um, and tobacco, mostly through e-cigarettes now today, as opposed to the use of traditional cigarettes. Uh, and we noticed that e-cigarette and alcohol use tends to be quite high among students when it comes to current use. So that's a measure of students that have used a substance within the last 30 days before they actually took the survey. Wow. Um, and during the course of time, I, you know, it, it's one thing hearing about, e I guess, e-cigarettes. Mm -hmm. It's a very common, almost acceptable look now to have that versus cigarettes. Now, before cigarettes, uh, you know, gr growing up, cigarettes were always very, I want to say, regulated in certain ways. You had to be 18, you had to be this. But e-cigarettes seem to be very, very accessible for a younger generation. W would you say that's correct? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and the marketing, um, Mr. Chuck, that goes behind these products, I think it has, what it has done, it has minimized the, the, the consequences um, you know, on the human body and, and to the persons who, you know, have access to them. Um, and that's one of the things that we try to really push and educate, not only the public, but especially parents, 
for them to understand that they are not harmless. They may be less harmful, but they're not harmless. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a tremendous amount of, of chemicals and substances that go into these things. Um, nicotine, we don't even have to speak about that. I think everybody in the listening audience knows the impact of that. And, and that's, that's one of the things I wanted to to bring to the forefront. I, I see a lot of times uh, the marketing, you know, I'm, that's kind of my world, but the marketing strategy, oh, no nicotine, nicotine free. And I'm thinking, okay, but what else is there? What, what are you replacing with this addictive thing to keep them going? Because this is a readily available thing. So even with saying that there's no nicotine, there is still a level of nicotine there, but just because the regulations say it at 0.11, whatever it is, there still is nicotine, but the marketing of it is strategically placed to say, oh, it's no nicotine, but there is. It's acceptable levels, but there is. And, and, you know, you you hit a very good point, and we ask ourselves the question, when, whether it has nicotine or doesn't have nicotine inside of it, you're introducing something to now alter your behavior. Right, and I think a good doc can can really highlight on that. You know, psychologically, um, you know, it changes people, it changes how you think, um, it changes, like I said, your behavior. And, and and take taking a look at that because this um, survey also added in a bit of mental health capacity yeah. into it. Also, uh, doc, can give me a little bit of information about that side of it. So um, I, I think a significant part of the sisters was where they used that skill to look for adverse childhood experiences. And significantly, they found about 20% of the persons surveyed responded that they had four or more adverse childhood experiences. So childhood adverse experiences looks at a range of symptoms. So it looks at abuse, whether physical, sexual, um, or verbal abuse. It looks at neglect, whether it's physical or emotional. It looks like at things like if you've witnessed domestic abuse, if there's substance use in the home, parents are divorced or separated, if someone has gone um, to prison. And those are markers, are predictors for going on to develop mental illness in later life. So the higher your score, mm-hmm. the more likelihood that it is that you'd go on to have mental health issues in later life. And so this is a good tool to identify that a significant portion of the respondents would be at risk. But interestingly, there are some other key findings that I found to be very important, um, where about 70% of the students who reported being exposed to violence were, were being exposed at school. And around the same percentage, about 70, being exposed in the community. So that suggests that there is a fairly high amount of exposure that our, our children are seeing. And then we have to look at If we're seeing this, we're not saying that, oh, my God, it's really bad at school. We're saying, what is causing it to Either. occur? And so we need to look at how can we carry out interventions to decrease the amount of violence we're seeing at school. And similarly, if we're seeing these high levels of violence in the community, what are the inter- interventions that can be devised to bring it down? So again, it's important for these kind of surveys to be done to identify the problems. So now we can look at ways to, um, to fix solutions. our strategies to, to target those problems. I would, you know, o- over the course of the, the, I would say the last few years, I, I've noticed a phenomenon um, just from a parent side of violence being exalted at school. And when I mean exalted, cameras, videoing, and all of a sudden that level, yeah. it, it becomes almost like a, a superstar status to see 
oh, I, you know, rather than stopping it or intervening or, or, or putting a halt to it, these um, issues all of a sudden become extended. So something that was an argument now has expanded into physical violence because of somebody taking a video of right. it. And now you have to be the man or you have to, you know, defend yourself. But defending yourself didn't involve violence. It meant having an argument, walking away from it, going find a teacher. But now you physically have to get involved. And that has been portrayed in such a demeanor that it's been pushing and pushing. Um, did the survey take a look at these kind of ideas within it? So usually once a survey is done, it gives you information to look at secondary things. So exactly what you're saying. So now that we're seeing this kind of violence, then the next thing we could go on is to look at what are the contributing factors to this violence. And for example, you know that social media might play a, a part in it. Um, sensationalizing violence could be something. And then again, you could look at policies um, to disrupt that kind of behavior. So I know a lot of the school, you're not allowed to have cell phones, mm -hmm. for example. So, so that is part of the thing. Um, conflict resolution skills instead of fighting, what do you do? And um, this study didn't highlight it, but what we've been seeing in the medical community over time is that regardless of your adverse childhood experiences, if persons are resilient, they were less likely to go on to use substances and they were less likely to go on to have mental health issues. Mm -hmm. So again, putting the two together, we have seen where persons are having adverse childhood experiences and they have high exposure to violence. So we could say, no, maybe this is an opportunity to develop programs in building resilience at the level of the community, at the level of school, and in the homes themselves. Okay. And, and, and you touched on a subject that I, I wanted to ask. Were the students... Um open to receiving information concerning drug abuse, um, fi finding out uh, greater access to information of what is considered drugs now, because, you know, it, it's, it's, as you said, alcohol is, is considered, oh, it's social, it, but it, it still is a drug. So, so give me a little bit of information about that. Yeah, so this year we included in the survey some questions relating to students' interest um, in drug education, receiving more information on substances, and we were really pleased to see that more than half, I believe it was about 63% of students reported that they do want to receive more information about substances. Uh, the top three were vapes, um, alcohol, and marijuana. And so that's something that NDC was really happy to, to have seen um, because, of course, we are in the business of prevention. Um, and so using this data, we're now able to go and tailor all of our prevention programming to make sure that we're meeting students where they're at. And, and I think that would be uh, an awesome. Well, at what age group did you uh, kind of target the survey to? So this survey targets students from year 7 all the way up to year 13, and so that's ages 11 through 18. Wow, that's a pretty pretty um, substantial years that you would say right there. And um, starting off at 11 to, to have this kind of conversation I think is a really great starting point um, as far as because, you know, I guess social media and also magazines and televisions and, and those things have uh, opened the idea of uh, alcohol, marijuana, and, and all of a sudden it's super cool to be doing these things mm -hmm. versus before it was, a you know, you always saw this is a negative, but now it is actually, you know, 
on, I want to say, the grandiose scale mm -hmm. of all of the rappers and the politicians and the, you know, you see them with uh, promoting uh, sports figures with these types of things. Do you see that that has taken a toll on, on the children, because I, I say children, but mm -hmm. has taken an influx of them noticing this earlier? Absolutely, and Mr. Simon, you could probably... Yeah, absolutely, and, and you know, what you're speaking towards, Chuck, is the, the level of influence or marketing that is used to you know, promote these things and to mm -hmm. make it you know, acceptable. And you know, that's why we try to work very closely, not only with schools and students, but also parents, because we need parents to understand that what is happening in the environment you know, that these kids are rising up in does have an impact. Okay, excellent. Um, we're going to take our first break right now. If you just tuned in, it's Healthcare Today with the HSA. Uh, we're talking uh, today with uh, some great, great, I, I want to say uh, trailblazers within our industry because uh, this is something that affects us and we need to talk about it on a very grassroots level. Um, and uh, this, I think, is a great start for it with the 2022 survey. And how do you pronounce it? Sit, sit it? Sistus. Sistus, <laughs> which is a Cayman Island student drug use survey. We'll be right back right here on Bobo 89.1 FM. When you have a sports or fitness-related injury, trust the expertise of the HSA Sports and Exercise Medicine Clinic to get you back in the game. Our internationally trained and certified physicians specialize in sports traumatology, sports medicine, pain management, and orthopedic surgery. For treatment of common injuries such as tendonitis, arthritis, tennis elbow, rotator cuff, or knee tears, schedule a consultation with the Sports and Exercise Medicine Clinic at Smith Road Medical Center by calling 949-8600 or visit hsa.ky for more information. Health Services Authority is now offering online payment options for patients. Patients of HSA can now pay their bills, including deposits, towards scheduled services online at payments.hsa.ky. The secure, new online payment system accepts debit or credit cards and is in addition to the available payment options of cash, check, and online bank transfer. For quick, easy, and secure payment directly from your phone or computer, visit HSA's new online payment system at payments.hsa.ky. The Cayman Islands Health Services Authority's General Practice and Public Health Clinics have relocated to Smith Road Medical Center. At the new location, you'll receive top quality care in a comfortable, modern space enhancing your patient experience. Do you have flu-like symptoms or other non-emergent illnesses or injury? HSA's new urgent care walk-in clinic is now open at the main hospital campus. The new general practice location is for appointments only. For more information, call 949-8600 or visit hsa.ky. The Health Services Authority's new pharmacy is now open at the Smith Road Medical Center. The new location features a large, comfortable waiting area and ticketing system to improve the patient experience. All uncollected prescriptions and refill requests previously submitted will now be available for collection at the Smith Road Pharmacy. Request your refills online at hsa.ky via WhatsApp 925-6534 or call 244-2715. For more information about our pharmacy hours, visit hsa.ky. HSA's Cardiology Clinic is now located at Smith Road Medical Center. Our cardiology team provides expert care and treatment for heart conditions such as coronary artery disease, heart failure, arrhythmias, hypertension, congenital heart diseases, among others. The new location offers state-of-the-art cardiac diagnostic testing, including echocardiograms, ECGs, and stress tests. To contact, call 949-8600. At HSA, your heart matters to us. Now back to Healthcare Today with HSA. And our host, Chuck Taylor. And we are back, folks. Welcome to Healthcare Today with the HSA. I'm your host, Chuck Taylor. And we have a full a panel of, uh, of guests and uh, movers within our, uh, I want to say community, because it really is um, 
um, refreshing to talk about this. Uh, we, we don't get to talk about our students enough in our uh, Caribbean community. It's always um, something negative. Or, so we're trying to be proactive to the scene. Uh, and with being proactive, we want to talk about the Cayman Island Student Drug Use Survey. Now, this is a, um, I want to say, um, a digital survey that you did over the course of last year. Um, go, go ahead, introduce yourselves and tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so my name is Layla Shim, and I'm the research analyst at the National Drug Council. And you're absolutely right. So the 2022 SISTA survey marked the very first time that the NDC was able to actually conduct this survey in an online format, which was a very welcome change given the uh, COVID situation that was going on in our community at the time. Um, it still allowed us to facilitate and to collect the data, so we were very happy about that. Um, and it was the 11th cycle that we've actually done the survey. So the very first one was done in 1998. So it, it, you've been collecting data for quite some time and watching the shift of it. And, and I wanted to uh, bring Dr. Davis into this part of it. Um, as they expanded it and have the conversation, mental health has definitely been on the forefront. Of course, you know, from, from the pandemic time, you know, people started talking about, you know, what being shut in and you know, all these things. So now that we're kind of getting back to some normalcy, um, how does um, the idea of depression and suicide play into this survey? Is that something that was looked at? Right. So it was. So two of the important skills that they used as part of this survey, they used a revised children um, anxiety and depression skill, and they used a tool looking for adverse childhood experiences. So consistently over the years, regardless of whatever country you're in, when they do drug surveys for children, um, you will get the numbers and persons will conclude, oh my God, it's bad. Children are using drugs. But there is no context of why they're using drugs. So putting in the skills kind of give an idea that these children are having mental health discomforts, right? And I'm not saying diagnoses, mm -hmm. right? So they're having significant anxiety significant depression and then we can see more clearly if children are having these um, discomforts in their daily life maybe what they're doing is using drugs as a way or as a means to cope looking at adverse childhood experiences again we get to see that if persons are having distress in their home life in their community again these are some of the things that could account for why they're using drugs and so that kind of leads to a shift in thinking versus saying the kids are bad because they're using drugs mm -hmm. and move that thinking to the kids are using drugs to respond to what's happening in their daily life in, and what their reality is. And then we can look to say, no, how can we provide assistance to move away from using drugs, which is not building resilience, to building resilience so persons don't need drugs as a way to cope. And, and I think that is a great, great um, starting point for a deeper conversation because um, this is in reaction to something. Yeah. And what, what is that something? Home situation, maybe bullying situation, maybe sexual abuse situation. There's an underlying reason for uh, our children doing this. Right. So, but what is it? Exactly. That, that's the, the conversation that we we should be having rather than, oh, it's terrible. They're, you know, they're, it's, you know, 40 percent of our children is I'm sorry, I'm just throwing a number out there. But 40 percent of our children are doing drugs and it's in right. all the. But why? If, if that's the case, what is what is the underlying markers for this? 
Um, and I, I think um, the annual, uh, how, how long was the campaign for, for this that, that you did? In terms of how long we, conduct, we took yeah, that uh-huh, survey? Yep, mm-hmm. So the survey, um, all schools were given the month of February to go ahead and conduct the survey with their students at a time that fit well into their school schedule. And then following the actual collection of the data, we dove into data analysis, which took up a few months um, to develop reporting. And then we started our dissemination process of the results back in September of last year. Okay. And, and I, I guess um, we're kind of wanting to roll this out for a National Drug and Alcohol um, Facts Month. Facts month. <laughs> it, it, it's, I've, I've heard of it, but I didn't understand all that it details. So, so g- give me an idea of all that it details there. So, so National Drug and Alcohol Facts Month uh, kicks off in March, um, and there are various activities uh, to to bring up the doc's point. You know, teaching resilience, um, fun activities, healthy, trying to promote healthy lifestyle, wellness. Um, there is a component of that. Um, one of the activities that we partner with the Alex Panton Foundation, sharing just some facts about around mental health. Um, there are competitions that going on against uh, art departments, drama departments that is on there. Uh, you know, so students will get access through our website. Mm-hmm. Um, and you register your school or you register individually to take part in some of that, those activities. And you can win a lot of, you know, cool prizes, like things like a, a class, a food party, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But just trying to encourage them into healthy um, lifestyles, let them start to think about wellness. And, and, and that's um, realistically it's facts. You're, you're, you're dealing with to start them on a process to help them be stronger, as Doc said, for when negative things come around them. Because we, we, we can't always be there for our yeah. children, uh, but we can give them the tools in their toolbox to be able to cope with ideas and problems as they arise. Yeah. And, and one of the things, Chuck, that we also try to do is we try to make sure that the programs that we offer in the school complements those programs that we offer to parents. So it's almost like a, a companionship. So what is taught at school is also taught at home to try and encourage you know, parents to have that open conversation. Uh, you know, whether you're talking about depression at home or you're talking about drug use, have that open conversation because we know that those things matter. Mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, uh, ch- children are a lot um, swifter and, and more um, mature than they were years yes. ago. So, so you really, really need to have a conversation, an honest conversation about these things, you know, about what, uh, and, and I think um, you guys have um, a brand uh, new competitions this year, like Fun Fit, uh, the Facts Film, the short video competition, things like that. And that gets them thinking and gets them active into programs that normally they would probably be like, oh, we got to sit and watch another video, it, you know. And I think it's important to, to have the consistency between children and parents. Because when we, we think about drug use, my first use of alcohol was when I got sorrel with wine in it mm-hmm. <laughs> or the Christmas cake with wine in it. Cultural. So the problem is that you cannot predict who has an underlying disorder that could develop into an addiction. Mm-hmm. And the first taste of the drug is where the problem is. Because if the brain likes what the drug does, the brain is going to lay down circuit to say, continue seeking this drug because one, the drug either takes away the bad thoughts or the drug makes you feel better. And so it becomes very important for persons in the community to, community to understand that giving children any form of drug could be the setup or the starting point for an addiction later in life. And, and I think a lot of us don't put into connotation what you just said. 
a, a glass of sh- a sorrel. It's it's cultural. Oh, have some sorrel. But we don't think that there's 5% alcohol in that, 3% alcohol, which may not be enough for an adult. Oh, it's just, it's flavorful. But 3% alcohol to a six, you know, a 60-pound child is a drunk yeah. child. It, it, you're, you're starting to inebriate a child. And and we, we don't t- think of it in that right. way, you know. And, and what, one of the things is I, I remember, you know, oh, ha- have a little sip of, of, of it. Ha- ha- you're, you're mixing rum cake. Mm-hmm. Uh, ha- yeah, so that's fine. Have a sip of it. Take I want to know what it tastes like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are markers that they're children. Yeah. We, we, we should not be encouraging that on any level. Right. E- even though we, we think, oh, well, grandfather did it for me or whatever like that. I might have just been the lucky one. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and you know, just to, to add something to what Dr. Davis um, said in regards to, you know, the practices that we do culturally, um, you know, things like, you know, you think about your grandmother growing up, they'd say, okay, well, put a little rum inside some milk, you know, mm-hmm. and I want people to start thinking about these practices. There's another thing that is that I'm starting to see on the radar right now, and that's the use of melatonin, right? No, no, melatonin, yes, it's, it's an FDA-approved um, supplement. However, what I'm hearing is parents saying, Come and take some of this melatonin so you can go to sleep. Mm-hmm. We're starting to prime that little child's mind. I need something in order to sleep. And, I, and, I pills, just, and I'm not saying pills. necessarily I'm, I'm fighting against melatonin, mm-hmm. but it's like what are we planting that seed to the doctor's point? You know, and, and we just need to start thinking about that. I, I think on, on, a, on a larger scale, scale um, being an affluent country such as we are gives us more accessibility to certain things and certain ideas. And we are more, oh, it's okay. You, we're, we're moving fast. Like uh, before, go sleep. You, you, you got you got a glass of milk. If if that was it, and that was it, you went to sleep. Now it's take a pill and go sleep. So when I'm in pain, I reach for a pill right away. You know, it's instantaneously. I got a cold. I reach for a pill right away. So that idea of grabbing something and being able to take it translates faster to oh, I, I need that that instant gratification, that instant relief, and then you start looking for it. So a child at 11 or 12 now who says, oh, well, you know what? Um, NyQuil is in there. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take two, three NyQuil. And now they're starting taking it outside of you, giving it to them. So, so you know, th- th- these things, even though, you know, and what, one of the things that, that blew my mind out is having a teenager who is aware of these things. So they're like, oh, dad, you know, um, in uh, my cousin in New York, they stopped selling aerosols. You have to be 18 and older to get aerosols. And I'm like, why? And they say, oh, because they're using it to get high. It's like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I, 20 plus years I've been around this stuff and I never thought to use it. But somebody has. And so now it's the in thing. Yeah. It's on TikTok. It, it's on Facebook. It's on, you know, um, with Snapchat and all these other things. And they're showing, oh, well, now they're. I remember Walgreens uh, locking it up, and I'm like, why would they lock up aerosols? But mm-hmm. but that's what they're using to get high. So so all of these things now has transpired. So we need to be aware of what is considered drug usage as a whole because yeah, yeah. It, it, cha- it has changed. Before it was just cigarettes, marijuana, mm-hmm. alcohol, you know, and then all of a sudden a little may- maybe got high from sniffing glue or whatever, and then it kept changing and changing and changing. And parents need to be readily uh, aware of it because it can be in their household and they don't even yeah, know. They don't even know. Yeah. And I think overall, the pressures that teenagers and children face now would be significantly more than before. 
the body image standards mm-hmm. based on when they're going on social media, what they're seeing on Instagram, um, Snapchat, mm-hmm. <laughs> Facebook. Right. It's just a constant flurry of unrealistic body images. Um, the pressures of schools, so children are starting school earlier with more intense um, curriculum, taking work home. Um, the reality of finances now where the traditional setting back in the days, way back in the days, where you could have one parent um, who stays home with the kid and mm-hmm. the other parent work, that's no longer a reality. Um, so the pressures that nowadays um, teenagers are facing immense, much more than we were facing, if we were to be honest. Mm-hmm. We probably think life is easier now because you have access to devices. But think about it. In our time, if there was a pandemic and we stayed home, it would be one year off from school. When mm-hmm. they stayed home during the pandemic, school came home with them. Yeah, school came home with right? them, Right, yeah. so, so you can understand that the stress is much, much different. And drugs can reduce stress, right? So it's a natural one-to-one link. But we are saying you can reduce your stress if you develop the right coping skills. And so that is the kind of thing. So if we should try to target persons to stop individual drugs, we know that doesn't work. A person will take the most available drug, which is the point that you're making. Mm-hmm. So if you make cigarettes less available, alcohol less available, they're like, oh, aerosols, you can get that anytime. <laughs> and they switch to aerosol, right? And they watch the music video and they say, oh, you can mix um, cold medicine with this. And they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, right? Exactly. And, and the society makes it readily available. And, yeah. and that's, in, in all honesty, all of a sudden, I saw the price of I forgot what this name in in a Texas codeine or something like that mm-hmm. cold codeine or whatever and it shot up there was like a hundred and something for you know five ounces I'm like for cold medicine but then I realized the what mo- they were using it for right yeah th- that that was the price of it because people were buying it for illicit use and and they were mixing it with drinks and they were you know all of this stuff and that market moved because of that so now now all of a sudden people are aware of it so so you know it, it's it's one of those things i think that we need to teach our kids and be honest as much as we can with them from from you know because things that we don't think they know they probably know but we just haven't had that conversation yeah. with them and and, and uh, go ahead no, i was gonna say I, I really like that point and not underestimating what it is that uh, you know, kids and young people know and just encouraging that you probably need to start having that honest conversation with your children a lot earlier than most parents think. You know, waiting until they're well into their teens is actually a little too late. Um, even though the survey is given to students ages 11 to 18, we start to look at the first, the very first time that young people come into contact or try a substance. And we find that that starts much earlier than 11 years old. We're seeing young people start experimenting as young as nine years old. So having that conversation as soon as you can is, is greatly encouraged. Yeah. Understandable. And, and part of the wider education goes back to the community as well. Lots, lots of my clients, what was the first substance they use? Alcohol, usually. If it's um, marijuana or cigarettes, where did you get it? At home. Mm-hmm. Right? So persons kind of have the mindset that if you're a kid, try a drug that went outside and got it somewhere. Not the case. Most times they would have gotten it at home. At home, in 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 uh, in the house, yeah, in the homes. Wow, uh, we're going to take a quick break and come right back. You're listening to Healthcare Today with the HSA, talking about um, uh, all things uh, related to our teens and uh, the Cayman Island Student Drug uh, Use Survey. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about National Drug and Alcohol Facts Month. 
uh, which we are rolling into. Um, so we'll give some more information about that and also some um, brand new competitions that they have. And I'll talk to Doc about something uh, that I think, you know, the drug rehabilitation programs and things of that. We'll, we'll start to talk about that conversation. Keep it right here. We are Bobo 89.1 FM. When you have a sports or fitness-related injury, trust the expertise of the HSA Sports and Exercise Medicine Clinic to get you back in the game. Our internationally trained and certified physicians specialize in sports traumatology, sports medicine, pain management, and orthopedic surgery. For treatment of common injuries such as tendonitis, arthritis, tennis elbow, rotator cuff, or knee tears, schedule a consultation with the Sports and Exercise Medicine Clinic at Smith Road Medical Center by calling 949-8600 or visit hsa.ky for more information. Health Services Authority is now offering online payment options for patients. Patients of HSA can now pay their bills, including deposits, towards scheduled services online at payments.hsa.ky. The secure, new online payment system accepts debit or credit cards and is in addition to the available payment options of cash, check, and online bank transfer. For quick, easy, and secure payment directly from your phone or computer, visit HSA's new online payment system at payments.hsa.ky. The Cayman Islands Health Services Authority's General Practice and Public Health Clinics have relocated to Smith Road Medical Center. At the new location, you'll receive top quality care in a comfortable, modern space enhancing your patient experience. Do you have flu-like symptoms or other non-emergent illnesses or injury? HSA's new urgent care walk-in clinic is now open at the main hospital campus. The new general practice location is for appointments only. For more information, call 949-8600 or visit hsa.ky. The Health Services Authority's new pharmacy is now open at the Smith Road Medical Center. The new location features a large, comfortable waiting area and ticketing system to improve the patient experience. All uncollected prescriptions and refill requests previously submitted will now be available for collection at the Smith Road Pharmacy. Request your refills online at hsa.ky via WhatsApp 925-6534 or call 244-2715. For more information about our pharmacy hours, visit hsa.ky. HSA's Cardiology Clinic is now located at Smith Road Medical Center. Our cardiology team provides expert care and treatment for heart conditions such as coronary artery disease, heart failure, arrhythmias, hypertension, congenital heart diseases, among others. The new location offers state-of-the-art cardiac diagnostic testing, including echocardiograms, ECGs, and stress tests. To contact, call 949-8600. At HSA, your heart matters to us. Now back to Healthcare Today with HSA. And our host, Chuck Taylor. And we are returning, folks. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Each and every Friday and Saturday, we get together. Compliments of our friends over there at the HSA. Uh, and today we're talking about um, uh, National Drug and Alcohol Facts Month. Um, give me a little bit more information about that and some of the great, great uh, competitions and fun things that you guys have to uh, basically give, teach the students the facts about drugs and mental health. So the National Drug and Alcohol Facts Month is a global initiative. Um, and here in the Cayman Islands, we launch in March. Um, in the United States, it, it's a week-long campaign. However, we saw the need to extend that much more into a month um, to give schools and students more opportunities to engage in some of these wonderful you know, activities and competitions. Uh, one, for example, that we launched this year is the Facts Film, where students can put together a short skit, maybe working with their drama department, uh, you know, and video that send it in to us, and we're partnering with uh, the CNCF to do the judging of that. There is the, um, the next great vaping campaign. So we want to hear from students. We want to hear from these teenagers, you know, to what are their ideas, how we can develop an, uh, a nice campaign to really target and educate about the dangers of vaping. 
Uh, and then there's the Influencer Minute, where students can make short TikTok videos that speak on why they stay drug-free, why they decided to live healthy uh, lifestyle and make wellness a part of that lifestyle. And I think that's a, that's a really, really great thing because um, we got some creative students, and this is a great way for them to be a part of the conversation and, and, and honestly um, put their spin onto something that directly affects them. You know, and, and um, what, what's like prevention across the Caribbean? T- tell me a little bit about that, huh? you know, because I, I guess there are challenges within different countries and stuff like that. But um, how do we look at that? So, so years ago, when, when drugs was really put on, um, if you want to say put it under the spotlight by the United Nations, uh, every country, um, every Caribbean island across um, the region was uh, challenged to set up national drug councils. Now, National Drug Councils is not necessarily the, the, the common name that you'll find them on. You'll have like National uh, Drug Secretariats, depending on what Caribbean uh, country you're in. Mm-hmm. But the whole premise and focus was we needed to bring attention to what was happening, what we were seeing. Um, surveys were started to came out, come out of that, hence why the National Drug Council started its survey back in 1998. Um, and I think we're probably, we're probably one of the longest running um, surveys in, in the region. You know, we really feel very proud about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we all try to, like I said today, to bring attention to it because we know of the issues, we know of all the problems, um, and, and every day we're getting a new challenge. You know, we, we're moving for, we see countries who are decriminalizing, legalizing, and everything else in, in, in terms of marijuana. That puts added pressure on us from a prevention point of view mm-hmm. um, because at the end of the day, whether something is decriminalized or you know, legalized, it's still illegal for our kids. And the doc can share on that when you introduce uh, drugs into a developing brain, you know, it adds pressure, it adds challenges. And when we've seen all of these statistics come out in terms of the amount of, of mental health uh, situations like depression, stress, and all that coming out from these surveys, you know, add drugs to that. And, and it's like making a, a bomb, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and we don't want them to start to practice, you know, unhealthy things to sort of cope with that issue. Is, and what Dr. Davis said earlier is exactly that. Which allows me to spin to this one which is um, over the course of, I guess, um, watching the media over the last few years, more and more teens have taken up violent acts, like massive violent acts. And, and when you look at the background of history, drugs played a, a direct role into them feeling this superiority, getting guns, you know, d- doing these types of things. Um, do you find, Doc, that, that there's a direct correlation with the mental health? All right, so... I would say that they tend to cluster together. And sometimes we have to be careful in terms of drawing conclusion if one causes the other or two things are occurring together, right? So there is a school of thought that persons use substance because they have an underlying um, mental illness and they are using the drugs as a way to treat, right? And there are persons who have an underlying addiction disorder. So most times when persons addicted to substance others will see them as this person is choosing to use the substance mm-hmm. but remember that point i went back to about uh, getting the sorrel the first time with the alcohol in it right the first time when someone uses the drug is usually the choice but once you use the substance now if you have an underlying disorder for an addiction it means you have the genes for that disorder once you're introduced to the substance your body and brain starts to learn this is the thing that makes you feel good this is the thing that makes you feel best. Seek it out above anything else. Not above, this is no more than grades. It's more than friends. 
It's more than family. It's more than sports. Nothing makes you feel good like this drug. So seek it out. So it becomes very important in prevention campaigns to get persons to understand why we're saying avoid drugs versus back then they used to have just say no to drugs. We know that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that was a huge... Right, so we have to huge, get persons... Uh, I, I want to call it a, a, f- a... Failure. Failure. Right. So we want persons on an emotional level to understand that, you know, how drugs could negatively affect you. And just taking the first um, draw, hit, drink could lead you down um, that path, right? We also know from psychiatry that there are some conditions where persons have an increased risk for violence even without substance. But if you put substance in the mix, the risk for violence increases exponentially. And so because most times when persons are having significant mental health issue, the tendency is to use substance, it becomes difficult to just know that if one is occurring leading to the other, mm-hmm. or is a setup for both disorders to occur together. And, and with that being said, how, how, how do we decode the media messages then in product placement because I, I can, you know, being a little bit in the, I guess, the media industry, I'll be sitting watching a, a movie with my daughter and I'll be like, you see that? She's like, what? I said, they put a Pepsi can there so you would see. She's like, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Or we'll, we'll watch a movie and it'll have somebody with a cigarette and I said, you see, that's the fourth time now that yeah. they've lit up a cigarette in front of you. And she's like, I didn't even notice. And I said, that's the point. They, they don't want you to notice because they want to make it normal. normal. Yeah. Yes. You know, so, so, so how, how can we um, kind of see through these messages? So it becomes very important, just like your buddies, um, to promote diversity and inclusivity. And if you notice now, most of the movies coming out, um, diversity is a thing. If you watch any commercial now, it's not just... Persons of just one color. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of heterosexual. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, not heterosexual. Yeah. Different races right. um, coming together, even homosexual couples. And those are bodies advocating at that level. So similarly, we need entities um, that are promoting responsibility in terms of substance use and medical health to also have a seat at the table when movies are being made to say, how do we represent these things? Because, again, you watch a movie, this is your favorite actress. The next thing she's advertising is a beer, mm-hmm. <laughs> wine, <laughs> right? right. Um, in the music industry, the rap industry is constantly promoting substance use. Every, every, I, I took a survey one time just for, um, I was doing something with my daughter, and I was saying, okay, you know what? We, we took a survey, and out of, I think it was 35 rappers that we looked at, I think 20 of them had their own alcohol brand. Exactly. 15 had their own vape vape machines yeah. and another 12 of them had their own vape liquids and this one was promoting uh, you know, so yeah. so the, yeah. there there's always that behind it and she was like I I didn't know that and I was like well this is right. kind of what you're going to have to deal with it's a little bit beyond me because I kind of see it for what it is but when you watching when you're their right. when right. you're watching their music videos and you see them sitting down in front of a bottle that's them promoting their alcohol. Yeah. So that's them drinking the, to promote that. And they, they want you to do it too. Yeah. And I said, I can't stop you from watching a video at, at 15, but I can tell you what to look for right, right. at that. You know, and, and the same thing, you know, and even we were watching um, a TV show. And I, I tried, and for parents out there, I try to watch as much with my kids as I can because I want to know what they're watching. They'll be like, oh, you know, what, what you watch? No, no, not me. 
What do you want to watch? Let, let, let's watch what you feel comfortable watching. And we, we watched a, a, a romantic movie, and in it, um, the kid, the child wanted coffee, and he was like nine or ten. And she was like, what? And I was like, oh, he, he was studying for an exam, that, mm-hmm. and he wanted to stay up because that's what mom did when she wanted to stay up. And, and my daughter's like, so, so I can drink coffee? I said, no. <laughs> you, she, yeah. you, you can't. That, you, you're not old enough. I said, when, when, when you get 18, 17, 18, then we can have this discussion again. Because caffeine, right. the, the, these kind of things. And even though it's minor, I know what it do to me at my job place. Yeah. You know, so imagine you at your job place. So, so for me. So, so it makes sense that government and non-government entities have some say in the media. So, for example, if you have a movie, it can have as much violence as you want if it doesn't show or depict bloodshed, right? So in a similar way, if they put that pressure on the movie industry, if we see an alcoholic beverage, if we see people smoking, the rating now falls in this category. Yeah. Then those kind of things will lead to shifts. Because if you watch that Marvel movie and so on, mm-hmm. you're seeing very graphic fights, but if you notice, there's no blood. Yeah, Disney. That's, that's because they want to expand the market to as many persons mm-hmm. as possible. So if we put those... Kind of, or not we. If, it, if, if, there, <laughs> the, the, if powers the powers that be, that be right. uh, put those kind of um, regulations in place, then the, the media industry complex will also adjust. Understandable. Um, as before we uh, wrap up, we're going to take a quick break and um, we're going to come back and talk about um, some uh, prevention training uh, and also social responsibility. Uh, I I want you guys to tell me the message and we'll be um, listening because we want to reach as much people as we can because. This could be somebody's life we're talking about here in the future. So uh, we'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in. It's Healthcare Today with the HSA on Bobo 89.1 FM. When you have a sports or fitness-related injury, trust the expertise of the HSA's Sports and Exercise Medicine Clinic to get you back in the game. Our internationally trained and certified physicians specialize in sports traumatology, sports medicine, pain management, and orthopedic surgery. For treatment of common injuries such as tendonitis, arthritis, tennis elbow, rotator cuff, or knee tears, schedule a consultation with the Sports and Exercise Medicine Clinic at Smith Road Medical Center by calling 949-8600 or visit hsa.ky for more information. Health Services Authority is now offering online payment options for patients. Patients of HSA can now pay their bills, including deposits, towards scheduled services online at payments.hsa.ky. The secure, new online payment system accepts debit or credit cards and is in addition to the available payment options of cash, check, and online bank transfer. For quick, easy, and secure payment directly from your phone or computer, visit HSA's new online payment system at payments.hsa.ky. The Cayman Islands Health Services Authority's General Practice and Public Health Clinics have relocated to Smith Road Medical Center. At the new location, you'll receive top quality care in a comfortable, modern space enhancing your patient experience. Do you have flu-like symptoms or other non-emergent illnesses or injury? HSA's new urgent care walk-in clinic is now open at the main hospital campus. The new general practice location is for appointments only. For more information, call 949-8600 or visit hsa.ky. The Health Services Authority's new pharmacy is now open at the Smith Road Medical Center. The new location features a large, comfortable waiting area and ticketing system to improve the patient experience. All uncollected prescriptions and refill requests previously submitted will now be available for collection at the Smith Road Pharmacy. Request your refills online at hsa.ky via WhatsApp 925-6534 or call 244-2715. For more information about our pharmacy hours, visit hsa.ky. 
HSA's Cardiology Clinic is now located at Smith Road Medical Center. Our cardiology team provides expert care and treatment for heart conditions such as coronary artery disease, heart failure, arrhythmias, hypertension, congenital heart diseases, among others. The new location offers state-of-the-art cardiac diagnostic testing, including echocardiograms, ECGs, and stress tests. To contact, call 949-8600. At HSA, your heart matters to us. Now back to Healthcare Today with HSA and our host, Chuck Taylor. Thank you for tuning in today. It's Healthcare Today with the HSA. I'm your host, Chuck Taylor. And as we uh, continue on our conversation, uh, we started off with the Cayman Islands uh, Student Drug Use Survey, and uh, we're making the shift a little bit. I want to talk, we started, um, well, we ended the last conversation talking about parental engagement and um, responsibility. Um, Talk to me about prevention training and also social responsibility when it comes to this idea of drug usage. And I think, you know, um, the last segment, um, Chuck, we, we were hinting on that, and I love the fact that you said that, you know, you've sat down, you, that's a regular practice for you at home. You know, you sit down, you look at a movie, and you use that as a teachable moment, you know, to point out certain things. Because I think we have to, we have to start to get our young people, especially, to start to decode the world around them. Let them see all of these influence and marketing that is used, you know, to promote certain things that is not healthy. Um, for them and, and, and that would change and shift their attitudes and their behaviors. So we as a society, we have a social responsibility. I think you as a parent, you as an individual, you have a social responsibility to what is it that we are promoting? What is it that we are saying? How, how, what sort of world do you want to shape for your child to grow up in? So if it's, if it's, a, if it's a message that I want you know, parents or your listening audience to get is start to think on that level. Start to think on that level. Start to think beyond you. And I, I think that that is, um, you know, really great advice because, um, you know, think, think of what a parent, and, and this can be any parent, says about drugs, says about alcohol when it's municipal, you know, medicinal, herbal, you know, th- that kind of thing. What does that say to an impressionable mind? Absolutely. And I think we hit out throughout the show we were talking about that. These cultural practices, these these things that you know we do at home, and we take you know uh, we take it for granted, and we say, okay, well, you know, it, it was something that my parents taught me, so mm-hmm. why not why not pass it on, right? Something right. as simple as saying, okay, well, tip a little bit of rum, give a little bit of cough medicine, mm-hmm. some Nyquil to put somebody to sleep. I, 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 I when you said that, I just remember somebody saying, oh, you know, um, Guinness and milk will make the baby go sleep, and I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and but. That's something that has been used for ages for since ages. since the stu- since since I can remember. But yet, when you think about it, that's still alcohol. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 that 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 little brain that is still developing, you know, is is so subjected to to mm-hmm. to adverse effects. And you heard earlier the, the the numbers that we are seeing in terms of the mental health issues, the depression, the stress, and all that. We don't want anything that can really aggravate that any further. Um, and, and yes, Dr. Davis spoke about the fact that a lot of these teens that we're seeing reporting in our survey, they're, they're using drugs to cope, mm-hmm. you know, and that's yeah. what we've got to start saying. Well, you have to find healthier coping mechanisms. And, and, and with that, before we wrap up, let's talk about looking ahead. Um, what, what, are, what, are, what are some things that we need to be aware of? What are some um, programs that we can introduce? Give me a little bit about that before we get out of here. Looking ahead, um, hmm, certainly we got to start looking ahead and looking at some of our policies that we're going to be introducing in this country, uh, what policies we want to introduce in this country. 
I know that we as a country we have some uh, very serious decisions to make um, in, in, in short order. But again, I encourage people to say, what kind of Cayman, what kind of Cayman Islands do we want to be 10 years from now, mm-hmm. 15 years from right. now? What that's going to look like? Um, and, and, you know, some of the programs that we offer at the National Drug Council, we have a program that we work with parents to, to sort of highlight a lot of the things that we spoke about here um, for the past few minutes and to teach them strategies to teach them um, how they can talk to their to their kids uh, what things to look for mm-hmm. uh, what practices they may be maybe performing at home um, you know to sort of reconsider those things and that program is called apparently speaking so we'll come out to your pta we'll come to your backyards we'll come to your church we'll come to your workplace you just give us a call at 949-9000 or visit our website at www.ndc.ky and um yeah we're there Excellent, excellent. And um, just wrapping up, I just want to toss these ideas out there. I, I know we're getting close on the end of time, but Cayman, think of this. Drug rehabilitation programs for children under the age of 13. What does that say? Not that you don't need it, but if you do need it, what does it say? Just one thought. Also, um, these new trend, um, I'm going to call some names. And folks, if you don't know what it is, go look it up because this is what your kids have to deal with. Purple drink, mollies, edibles, gummies, you know, and vaping and these types of things. You need to have these on your vocabulary so that you know what to look for. You know, when they're talking about, oh, they're, they're getting edibles and you, you know exactly what that is because the terminology dictates what it is. <laughs> so with that being said, folks, uh, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Davis. And what, go ahead and introduce yourself so that they, they know who to call when they need to call you. Well, you can call anywhere at the National Drug Council, but my <laughs> name is Simon Miller. I'm the prevention specialist at the National Drug Council. And I'm Layla Shim, the research analyst at the National Drug Council. Thank you so much for stopping by here today. Um, thank you for the honest and frank conversation because what we want to do is save our youth. That's the bottom line. They're, they're the future. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. My name is Chuck Taylor, and this is Healthcare Today with the HSA right here on Bobo 89.1 FM. We broadcast live each and every Friday, and we rebroadcast on Saturday, same time, 1 to 2.